kick in? Everybody sleep? It's like, you know, the one time a year we're in food coma. It's pretty much every day because, why, yes, I would like to have a turkey sandwich again for the fifth time, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> anyway, oh my goodness. Well, I'm glad that you all are here. <clears throat> um, every um, family I know typically has, especially if you have young kids, you have some kind of a routine that you go through uh, when you go to bed at night. And uh, um, in our house, that includes, uh, we pray together as a family, and then we have this song that we sing that I actually learned when I was a kid that my mom learned at vacation Bible school when she was a kid. And for some reason, we just keep singing it over and over again, <clears throat> and both our girls know it. And Anyway, um, this last year, Ish. Um, the uh, uh, my wife added an element to our routine, and so what she does is when we all gather together, she goes, "Okay, what are you thankful for?" And we have to go through each one of us and list at least one thing that we're thankful for um, that day. And um, I I think this is a really great idea. I I really enjoyed doing that for um, a number of reasons. Um, because there's a growing body of research that suggests that being grateful is actually essential, not, not just beneficial, but essential to our emotional well-being, to be, to be grateful, to be thankful for some things. Um, in fact, there's a researcher, her name is Brene Brown. Some of you may have heard her. She wrote this great book called The Gift of Imperfection. She wrote this, when it comes to gratitude, the word that jumped out at me throughout this researcher, uh, research process is practice. As someone who thought knowledge was more important than practice, I found these words to be a call to action, which is really interesting. This is an academic who's doing some very serious type of, of research under controlled environments and so on and so forth, and she, she comes out and she says this gr idea of gratitude is really about practicing gratitude, not just having the idea of gratitude in mind. And in light of our sermon series about practices, not disciplines, by the way, but practices, because <clears throat> I don't want you to feel bad about yourself, right? And this idea of practice is kind of important. And so we, we started this whole series um, to, to talk about these beneficial types of practices and that we we're learning that when Jesus talked about abundant life in John 10, here's a verse. I think I got it up there. No, I, did I put John 10? Yeah, abundant life. I have come that they may have life and to have it in abundance. And remember, the Greek word here is not just abundance, but it's super abundance. Beyond imagination is the word that's being used. That when we talk about this idea of abundant life that Jesus offers, it comes through the transformation that happens internally. The inner transformation. And some of, um, of, us, of us who have kind of grown up in, in uh, uh, either a Wesleyan tradition or in the Church of God, you know this is holiness or sanctification. But that idea of abundant life comes directly from the stuff that goes on, the, the change that goes on inside the heart. But there's a problem with it. And that problem is, is fairly easy to see here. The first problem is that you can't earn it. Because, because holiness, transformation that happens is grace. And God gives that freely, but it's not something that we can earn, even though a lot of us try, right? I mean, it happens. 
We may not realize that we're doing it, but we do. The other problem is, is that transformation doesn't just happen. It's not a passive endeavor either. It doesn't, okay, I'm just kind of waiting. That's Jesus' magic wand syndrome. And that's clearly not what the scriptures talk about with Jesus' magic wand. So the only, only way to achieve inner transformation is to take and put ourselves in a place where God can do the transforming work. And what I'm trying to suggest in this series is that that place is your spiritual practices. It's a way of putting yourself before God on a consistent basis so that he can do the things that only he can do. Are you tracking with me? Right? So abundant life comes from transformation. Transformation comes from some type of spiritual practice. And that's what we, we want to engage in, those things. Now, let's be gut-level honest. <clears throat> gut-level honest, because we try to keep it, you know, real here. Keep it 100. I still don't know what that means, but it sounds cool when I say it, I guess. I don't know. Now, here's the thing. It's easy to find problems, isn't it? It's easy to complain, and it's easy to focus on things that are negative. It's easy to do. Some of you are sitting back going, yeah, because there's a lot of it in the world today, <laughs> right? Mm, but the fact is, is that it's a very simple thing for us to, to just find the bad in any situation. But here's the thing that I've noticed is that rarely, very rarely, when you unload, when you unload those negative feelings on something, rarely does that actually make you feel better. In fact, my, my wife and I, we call it the downward spiral. And what happens is, is that you end up walking down this, this spiral and things get negative and then you just think of more things that are negative and then more things that are negative and then more things. And eventually you blame, you start blaming everybody and everything. And people are just horrible and, and I can't believe that we're here and the world's going to hell in a handbasket or what, whatever. But the point is, is that we, we just continue down this, this downward spiral of, of negativity and, and what I've found is, is that usually when you start unloading like that, all you do really do is accelerate the yuck, right? Because gravity begins to take over, and then it's just easier and easier and easier. There's these great big um, kind of saucer-like things at every kid's museum. And you put a quarter or a nickel or something and it goes down a chute, and it begins to go around this thing. Have you seen these? If you've got kids, you, I know you have. And it goes and goes faster and faster and faster and faster and faster until finally it, that's the spiral of negativity. Eventually, you just get to that point where you just, boom. There's nothing else to complain about, and it's just yuck, right? We have to be careful of that, I think. But it's difficult to be negative when you're thankful. Now, think about that for a minute. It is very difficult to hold both those things at the same time. To be thankful, so, I mean, it can happen, but the point is, is that it's not going to happen real long. Very difficult to hold these things. In fact, Brene Brown comes back and she says this, I never talk about gratitude and joy separately. Isn't that interesting? In 12 years, I've never interviewed a single person who would describe their lives as joyful who was not practicing gratitude. 
So the people, here's what she did. She found people who would describe their lives as joyful, and she started rooting around in there trying to figure out what it was that made them joyful, and the one common denominator, at least one common denominator, was the fact that they practiced gratitude, that they actually spent some time thinking about what they were thankful for and voicing it to somebody, if no one else but themselves, just being thankful. So there's this inextricable link that you have between gratitude on one hand and joy on the other. They're linked together. They're, 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 they go hand in hand. And, and perhaps the New, the New Testament writer Paul intuitively understood this because did you notice when we were quoting the verse from Philippians chapter 4 earlier? It says, by prayer and petition and with, what was the word? Thanksgiving. Paul mentions this idea of Thanksgiving multiple times. So that was Philippians let me draw your attention to the book of Colossians, another uh, letter that Paul's written. <clears throat> and he mentions this on several occasions. Here it is in chapter 2. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay? So he's starting this, you know, he's in chapter 2, but he's, you know, beginning this idea. Now, please understand, whenever we read Paul, there are multiple threads that he's weaving together. This just happens to be one of them. But this one I find actually quite compelling. Faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. How do you think that this happens? How do you think that you can be overflowing with thankfulness? How does that actually occur? Well, let me suggest at least one possibility. Your relationships. The relationships you have with other people. The relationship you have specifically with God. The relationship that's growing between you and God begins to fill you up so that thankfulness overflows. Engaging in spiritual practices builds relationships. Those two things are linked as well. But Paul's not done. Look what happens in chapter 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. And be thankful. It's difficult to have peace in anything in your life when you have dissatisfaction and fear. And the antidote for dissatisfaction and fear is gratitude, being thankful about things. Again, it's hard to stay in that negative place when you're actually thankful for something that's going on in your life. Now think of it this way. Think about shifting from the things that I don't have to the things that I do have. Very often when we talk about um, coaching, or leadership, and I've seen this a hundred times if I've seen it once, it's easy for people to think about the things that they don't have or think about, more importantly, how much further they still have to go. And I find that I spend a lot of my time reminding people just how far they've come. You see that? When you realize that I have made progress that builds a certain amount of happiness. No, I'm not where I want to be. That, that's true. I understand that. It's not where I want to be. But look how far I've come. 
um, some of you know this, for years I studied some martial arts, and I remember when I was in my middle rank, I would always work out with the white belts, because with the white belts, I realized how far I'd come, and I'd always work out with the black belts, realized how much further I had to go, you know, but that was always good for me, and even when I got to the higher ranks, I remember going and working out with the white belts to remind myself, oh yeah, look how far I've come. And some of you have, you know, your own experiences like that when you look at your job or when you look at your hobbies and you see that. The idea is which direction are you going to focus your attention on? The negative is, this is what I don't have, this is how much farther I have to go. The positive is, hey, this is the things that I've gained and this is the experiences I've had. And when you do that, you automatically put yourself in a much more positive frame of mind because you're thankful. Because you're thankful for it. Progress makes human beings happy. Progress makes human beings happy. But you have to acknowledge when the progress actually occurs. Now, fortunately, Paul is still not done. Chapter 4. <clears throat> Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and what's the word? Thankful. Um, I, there's a better translation. I like this one. This one's a little bit better. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it, with an attitude of thanksgiving. And the Greek's a little bit funny here, and sometimes the NIV translators and I don't necessarily see eye to eye. That's okay. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. In other words, folks, look for those places where God is actually working. By the way, that might be an invitation for you to join him. I'm just saying, if you see God working in, er in an area there's a very good chance he's going, hey, why don't you come hang out? Why don't you come do this with me? Not always, but mo a lot of times that's the case. But the point is, is that we have to look for things to be grateful for. They don't just happen because human nature is always, always prone towards negativity. We're just kind of built that way. Now, there are some people who are the anomaly. They're just happy people. Uh, they, you know, and those people are despite the fact that sometimes at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning you want to slap them silly because they're happy and you're still, like, waiting for your coffee or whatever it happens to be. But the point is, is that the vast majority of us will tend towards negativity because that's human nature. The truth is, we can always find something to be thankful for. You breathe in today? Really? Even on the rough days. Sometimes in our house, when we're doing the thankfulness exercise, um, we got to search for it. And sometimes someone else in your family will say something they're thankful for. You're like, oh, yeah, I can be thankful for that too. <laughs> you know, because we just had a rough day or whatever. My six year old was very thankful for the new Lego set that she got, that her grandfather bought. You know what? I can totally get behind that one. <laughs> I am all over that. I agree. Occasionally, we're just glad that we made it through the day and we're home together. You know what? That goes a long way. We're all together. We've been healthy this year. Little things like that, things that we tend to overlook, but we're thankful for them. The critical step here do something. Do something to get yourself 
in front of God to allow him to do the work that only he can do. Some people, they like to practice uh, thankfulness in the morning because it sets the pace for the rest of the day. Some people like to do it at night because then they can look back and go, oh yeah, this is what happened during the day and I can be thankful for this. That's great. Pick one. Or, here's a novel idea, try both. (laughs) Try both for about a week. See which one you like best. That's okay. The point is, is that you can't be overly thankful. It's impossible for you to be overly thankful. So so try one. But here's here's the thing that I I would definitely do. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. There's power when you actually hear it in, in your words. And look, if there's nobody else around or you're uncomfortable saying it in front of somebody, try a mirror. It, it's okay to do that. When you say it out loud, for whatever reason, it makes it more real. It's okay to think it. Or if you're the journaling type, you can write it down. The point is get it out of here and out there. Get it on paper, get it out there, write it on a whiteboard, put it on your mirror, put it on a sticky note. Whatever it is you need to do, do that so that you're just practicing some type of gratefulness, some type of gratitude. Now, before I, I move on, I want to I offer one quick word. Don't be surprised whenever you start any of the spiritual practices, but especially gratitude, Don't be surprised if life gets a little difficult. Don't be surprised if things start going wrong at work. Things go sideways at home with the wife, the husband, and the kids. Don't be surprised. Two reasons. Number one, we can experience spiritual resistance. Anytime you want to get in front of God, closer to God, there is an enemy who does not want you to do that. That's reality. So don't be surprised if things start going sideways. Things start feeling funny, or things like, wait a minute, the water heater will go out. Something will happen to the car. All of these things will happen in order because, let's be honest, the thing is when the car goes out, you're not thankful for that car anymore because it's costing you money, right? (laughs) Same thing with water heater. Great to have, (laughs) but when it goes out, right? Don't be surprised if you get a certain amount of spiritual resistance. Now, by the same token, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of that. God's not afraid of it. You don't need to be afraid of it. Now, you still got to deal with it, but don't be afraid of that. But don't be surprised when it occurs, because it will. Secondly, don't be surprised if you, don't, if you have a certain amount of inner resistance. Because getting in front of God and trying to relate to him, to grow in that relationship is not natural. Again, the, the, the New Testament writer Paul talks about the fact that our human nature is in conflict with what the Spirit wants for us. Okay? Human nature is negativity. Spiritual nature isn't. Those two things will collide. So don't be surprised if there are external resistances, some spiritual resistances, 
But also don't be surprised if it's hard for you to actually practice this on a consistent basis because it ain't natural for most people. Okay? It's not the natural thing. So don't be surprised. Don't be afraid of it. But you got to push through. You have to push through that particular issue in order to keep placing yourself in front of God so he can do the work, bring about the inner transformation so that you can have the abundant life that he talks to. Because what happens to, to the vast majority of us, we start something, we get the resistance, and it derails us. It distracts us. It keeps us from going forward. And then three months later, like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to be doing that. Great time to talk about this because that's usually what happens in New Year's resolutions, right? Same kind of a thing. But the point is, is if you push through and you allow God to continue to do the work, and even if you don't feel it, do it anyway, see what happens over a period of time. Now, you may ask the question, hey, has your family changed because you've practiced thankfulness? Maybe. I, I can't necessarily go, oh yeah, we're much happier now than we used to be, but I will tell you this. It is really great that at two o'clock in the afternoon when one of your kids says, you know what? I'm going to be thankful for this tonight when we get together at bedtime. You're thinking about it. And sometimes I'll do that too. I get in that moment where you just have one of those events or something happens and you're like, oh, this is great. Oh, tonight when Lisa asks me, I know exactly what I'm going to say. I didn't do that a year ago. So are we changed? Maybe. I think so. I think so. Before we leave Colossians, though, before we leave Paul, I want to point something out to you. This word thankful. In Greek, this word thankful is eucharistos. It's where we get the word eucharist, which uh, is the high term for what we call communion. Eucharistos means thankful or thanksgiving, Eucharist. For centuries, the church has realized that the ritual of communion at its very heart is about thanking God for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We're thankful for that. It's the reason why we do this. When we practice this, we are acknowledging that. He made a way for us to be reconciled to God, and he made a way for us to be renewed he made a way for us to be, be a different type of human being, one that's characterized by love and not selfishness, one that's characterized by thanksgiving and not negativity, and the list goes on. And so I thought that here on Thanksgiving weekend, it would be appropriate for us to practice some thanksgiving <laughs> in an ancient way, a way that's been for 2,000 years done in the church. And it's appropriate for us this particular weekend, to thank God, not just as Americans, but as Christians, but as people who follow Jesus, and to say we're very grateful for the lives that he's given us. No, is it where we, we want it to be? Probably not. We all have other steps that we need to take, but look how far you've come, and you can be thankful.